Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Neil Presley. We recorded this at his home in Lancaster, PA. Just a couple announcements before we get started. Tall Poppy String Band is in the middle of a Pacific Northwest tour. Thanks to everyone who came out to our Washington shows. If you're near Eugene, Corvallis, or Portland, come on out to our Oregon leg of the tour starting tomorrow. Info at tallpoppystringband.com shows. I'm teaching another four-part online banjo workshop series starting the week after Thanksgiving. This time we'll be covering learning tunes on the fly. I've been thinking a lot about this topic because people like to ask me how I learned so many tunes for Get Up in the Cool. And I think I'm ready to answer that question in the form of a workshop series. So sign up now to get the early bird rate at CameronDeWitt.com store. All right, enough business. Here's my interview and jam with Neil Presley. Enjoy. Thank you. 
Neil Presley, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thank you. Uh, we're here in your home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I, I knew that it wasn't Lancaster, but for a long time I've been saying Lancaster, but then I've been hearing, last night, kiss. Lancaster. Lancaster. That's the appropriate pronunciation. Pretty much. Cool. We'll get that on the A record. lot of variations. <laughs> um, <clears throat> when I lived in Philly, I uh, hung out with Jordan Rast a lot. Uh, had a band with him. He was on the show. And um, I heard so many stories over and over again of the lovely Lancaster community and the person who's sort of the ringleader for all of it, <laughs> Neil Presley. I've been wanting to have you on the show for a long time because it seems like you've uh, cultivated uh, a lot of musical community here, um, especially with a lot of young people. And now there's this like scary, talented <laughs> like cohort, uh, this whole generation of, uh, yeah. of, of fiddlers and, and musicians. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they all keep pointing back to you. So I, I like to think I had a little bit of a part in that, you know, so yeah. it, it feels good to have helped move people along in one way or the other. Some great talent out there, you know, with, uh, younger, younger kids coming along. It's great to see. And now I'm learning from them, you know, so. Yeah. They're teaching me tunes. <laughs> Playing the long game. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. comes and goes around, comes around. Yeah. No, that's smart. It's <laughs> a good strategy. And uh, we're here with uh, Tall Poppy, and you um, were really instrumental in setting up the show for us and getting people to show up. And uh, between that and staying in your home, getting drunk on your scotch and <laughs> drinking your cappuccinos. And we're thoroughly spoiled. You've, uh, you've set a, uh, a standard for the rest of our tour. I think it's all going to be downhill from here. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, thank you've you. have been great that. guests. I've been wonderful to have Thanks. here. George uh, said, uh, we should just go home. <laughs> we can be all done. I'm glad I could, uh, yeah. could help you out in that way. So you told me that, you started getting into old time music, I think, in like the mid '90s. Uh, late '80s, I would late say. Late '80s. Yeah. Okay, great. That's where I yeah. kind of discovered it. Yeah. Were you playing music before that? Uh, just guitar, really. Noodle. I just noodled on guitar what since high school. What kind of noodles were you playing? On I uh, played some folk folk music. I, I first learned Peter Paul and Mary music sure. from albums on guitar, and just some some blues stuff. I never really played that many songs or sang a lot. I just kind of enjoyed the, the comfort of picking up an instrument and playing it and just having that satisfaction of the the intonation and the, the notes and something to keep me company. So, I, you know, but until I kind of discovered old time music, I never had much of a reason for playing it with a particular genre of music until, until old time came along. And that's when I kind of discovered it, you know, learning old time guitar is kind of what, what opened me up to it. Oh, great. So that was your first old time instrument. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, we were at uh, Philly Folk Fest in the late eighties and uh, I was carrying my guitar around in the campsites. And uh, as you know, it's not a real pickers festival per se, like, right. the, like the old time festivals right. uh, like we have now. And I came across, uh, Randy Johnson, Barbara Johnson, Ray Frick, mm. who was at our show mm. last night, and uh, his uh, first wife was there, and they were playing this music that really resonated with me. I didn't know that it was old time, 
music. And I just was mesmerized by it. And I had my guitar, I stopped by them and got my guitar out and tried to learn the chords of this. They were playing uh, Soldier's Joy, I believe. And yeah. it's like, what is this song? It's just like A part, B part, A part, it was just going around and round and round for like forever. And I was trying to learn the chords and Randy Johnson was screaming chords at me like D, A, and I wasn't, really wasn't getting it. And I, and I, we played it, I remember playing it for like, t hacking on it for like 10 minutes or so. Yeah. And then uh, Randy Johnson yells out eight more times instead yeah, yeah. of like one more time. Yeah, and, yeah. and he literally <laughs> played it eight more times. Yeah. And I finally you know, started starting getting the chord yeah. progress. And I learned that tunes have the you know, traditional A part, B part, A part, B part, and everybody kind of plays the the same music over and over and over. It's just mesmerizing. And it just really resonated with me, that music. And I, I think for two or three days, I just went back to their campsite, hung with them the whole time I was there. Yeah. And just, you know, kind of tried to f hack along on my guitar and play tunes. And it just kind of, I just kept kept at it and kept learning. And then the Heartbeats, Beverly yeah, Smith and the Heartbeats yeah. played there maybe that same weekend. I heard them and I was just blown away by, by old time music. And, mm. Taryn Evans fiddling and Beverly Smith's guitar playing and June Drucker on bass and Rose Sinclair on banjo and the energy and power that that music had just really kind of lit me up and I never really looked back. I just kind of like followed people around mm -hmm. and Beverly, of course, I got to know her and she hung around with you know, Rafe Stefanini and Bruce Molsky and John Herman and Dirk Powell as was her crowd. And so I kind of got into that crowd still barely even to play, mm -hmm. being able to play, you know, two or three chords on the guitar. But I kind of like hung with those people and listened to them a lot and watched them and eventually just uh, kind of learned old time guitar through lots of friends here that knew old time guitar and taught me and, uh, mm. and then gradually worked into the banjo. A few years later, picked up the banjo and took me a couple of years to kind of figure that out. And I'm still trying to figure it out. I know that it's ultimately, you know, a mystery when it comes to like, well, why did the music resonate with you? Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm wondering if you're if you're able to articulate that, like, what about it was special to you? And and specifically, did you listen to instrumental music uh, before, or like any old time instrumental or bluegrass instrumental music? I don't that? think I I heard too much of old time music before. Um, I probably listened to a lot of guitar music. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I love guitar music and I just, I love the instrument. The singing was just like, it was okay. Right. I usually couldn't understand the lyrics. Or it was just yeah. like, I mean, I love songs and the, what they purvey. And, but uh, yeah, the, I've always loved the, the guitar and the, being in tune and that sound and the rhythm and the, the yeah. texture of it and all that. But I think what, uh, really got me into old time music was the fact that I could understand how the songs went. It wasn't like long song and a bridge and it comes back and it's like, I couldn't ever figure those things out. But old time is just, especially the A part, B parts, like A part, B part, A part, yeah. you know, for the, till the end of time, you know, it was just like, I can understand that because it's so repetitious. And I love that about it, that it yeah. was just so repetitious and, you know, the energy and the flow that, that tunes have with, with, with musicians and fiddlers and banjo players and guitar players, the, the, the energy that kind of shifts around in it. 
and it just it was just something I couldn't get enough yeah. of. That's a, I'm, I'm glad you you brought that up because uh, that's a great. I haven't heard that answer before actually. I don't think. Uh, yeah, that like our ability to enjoy something or resonate some, with something mm-hmm. maybe is contingent on understanding it to some extent. Mm-hmm. We don't have to fully understand something to love it, but there's something about knowing where, like the form of a piece of music, uh, or like you, you have all of this like amazing artwork around your house mm-hmm. and, uh, that you've made and that you've collected and from your friends and artists that you, that you admire. And you have these portraits that you were showing us yesterday before we went to the show and they're, they're wonderful portraits. And then you were like, these are woodcuts. Mm. And then all of a sudden, when you said these are woodcuts, it totally changed my experience yeah. of the art. Because I was like, differently. oh, that makes me feel completely different about this art now that I understand it a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I, I wouldn't have gathered that by looking at it because they don't look like woodcuts. <laughs> Especially <laughs> like from a distance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're uh, incredible. And yeah, I think maybe you're onto something with with old time music, there's something about the forms and the repetition that is accessible. And then within that form, you know where you're at in the tune and then you can appreciate it because you know the shape of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas like, yeah, some, some song structures are a little confusing or they're so drawn out or the words get, confusing and the story gets smuddled and you can't follow yeah. the story then you can't follow the music and it gets kind of complicated There's a lot to keep track of yeah yeah, yeah. yeah just my my simple brain can follow the old time music a little <laughs> bit better and especially with the like square basic tunes and sure yeah. that's not you know mentioning all the old cricket tunes that they're, they're great too yeah and you kind of had to kind of build up to those yeah yeah but even those like a lot of those cricket tunes i feel like are enjoyable in because it's like oh this is crooked right here Mm -hmm. and this would be square if not for this moment and then it's like kind of references back to Mm -hmm. a form that we're all familiar with and someone made it crooked back in the day where it probably wasn't meant to be crooked maybe and vice versa yeah they were crooked and then someone squared them up yeah that's the beauty of this music that i like it's kind of like it's all interpretation and Kind of do anything you want to with it up to a point. Mm. Let's play another tune and then let's talk about how you got into fiddling. Okay. Uh, how about, uh, do you know this one, Get Up in the Cool? Oh, yeah. I never get to play this tune. Great. Let's <laughs> Can do we it. play that one? Yeah, absolutely. Get Up in the Cool. Thank you. 
Oh, what a treat. I love that tune. I love that tune too. Yeah. Well, from Patrick <laughs> when he came back from Portland and I was trying to figure it out on banjo and that, that's, you know, that seven beat part on the second yeah, part. It's, it's really like, weird. Yeah. What's going on here? <laughs> he was trying to explain it to me. Yeah. And, you know, a couple months later, I kind of started figuring it out and I started fiddling it yeah. and playing it more. It's, it's fun. It's so much fun to fiddle. I think that tune is the tune that got me to, that inspired me to start listening to source recordings as opposed to just playing socially and at festivals. Mm -hmm. Because I was at, I think it was at Lake Gennaro. Uh, do you go to Gennaro? I've been once. Yeah. Once or twice um, years ago. Definitely like sort of my favorite you know, regional festival yeah. back when I lived in Philly. I hear and, they're moving it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mark went this year and I think they're moving it. Okay. Well, so hopefully it's not, hopefully it's still with Poconos. Yeah. I have no idea. But uh, Alan Kaufman was, was playing that tune and I was like, what was that? Mm -hmm. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Uh, I forget the source of it. Uh, Eck Robertson. Okay. Yeah. 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 I've heard it. I've heard those source recordings. Yeah, and then he was like, I forget what this is an Eck Robertson tune. And then he played another one, and I forget what it was, but it was another Eck Robertson tune. And I was like, I got to go check this out. Mm -hmm. That was the first like sort of deep dive into yeah. sources that I ever did. And I remember I was doing dishes in my home in Philly and like listening to source recordings and just like listening to Eck Robertson. And uh, yeah, that's what sort of... Took the plunge. Took Yeah, <laughs> that's what took me from like, this is a fun group activity to do to like, I like this music like on its own terms outside of community mm -hmm. uh and th i think that that's the the tune that did it for me there's no end to it really how much you can dive into it right yeah, with the yeah. sources available today and the library of congress and all yeah. this stuff on you know the internet and everything it's great when did you start fiddling i think i started fiddling around uh, 1993 I was, uh, you know, my mid forties and, uh, I'd, I'd gotten a couple of fiddles and have a local, uh, Luthier, Mike Shank, who's a bass specialist would fix up fiddles for me and mm. kind of tweak them, do my bow rehairs. And, and then about a year later, uh, I got this fiddle made in Abilene, Texas, uh, Math Dethridge is the maker. I went there and I had a couple of fiddles and I, he said, you should get, let me make you a fiddle. I said, I don't have any money to buy a fiddle. He said, you know, you don't have to pay me right now. And you know, I gave him a couple of old fiddles that I had fixed up for a down payment and a couple of bows or something. And sometime before that, I was at, uh, I was at Merle Fest and Mark O'Connor was giving a little Q and A in one of the tents and he was talking about fiddling and <clears throat> this and that. People were asking him a question. Some young girl raised her hand and, asked Mark a question and she said, how do you get started playing fiddle? You know, Marco kind of, kind of paused for a second. Then, then he kind of scratched his head and he said, well, I guess, I guess you first have to get a fiddle. Yeah. And that, and I hadn't gotten a fiddle yet, but I knew I wanted to play. So that like the light That's bulb went off answer. Yeah. and I came <laughs> yeah. home and within the next week, I went into the newspaper and found an ad for an old Czech fiddle. It was a student model mm. with a Czech bow and nice hard case for 150 bucks. I bought it and just kind of started hacking around on it. I knew a few people that, uh, quite a few people that played fiddle and I had no idea I could ever play a violin or a fiddle. I always thought you had to be kind of a, 
a genius sort of musician right to be able to, oh those are those are special people they played orchestras and they're they learned since they were two i feel like so it made sense to me to just start hacking around on it and then learning from people and studying with people and you know just kind of kept working at it i feel like the violin is you know how like people like singers people sort of don't, don't see singers as like musicians they're like well it's they all see their voices like, oh, this is an extended, this is like natural beauty. You were born with this. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's kind of what the I American, thought with, yeah. the, with the violin. I feel like I thought... the violin is the next sort of like instrument, like second to singing that like people like to project that kind of like mystery onto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really Certainly discouraging for, me. for people who maybe want to start fiddling in their 40s. Yeah. Well, I, I see I see people in their 20s and 30s that, that say, boy, I wish I'd learned to play fiddle yeah. or I wish I'd learned to play violin it's like well I started in my mid 40s and you know you, you can do it at, at an older age yeah. <laughs> so yeah it's, it's been been a fun work in progress and I've been playing this fiddle you know since since then it's the only one I have now this is the Czech fiddle no this oh, is okay. the one math death roots I got I think oh, I traded right. the Czech fiddle to yeah. a friend swapping wheeling dealing whatever so I only have this one now with several bows that's been fun. Rafe Stephanie fixed this up for me a little bit, tweaked it. The guy that made it, he said, now don't ever mess with this bridge. Don't ever do anything to this. It's the perfect bridge, mine bridge, and it was super arched, unlike uh-huh. most old time bridges uh-huh. are more flat, and like Tommy Gerald's was almost flat. Uh-huh. So I kind of like that flatter image. And uh, you know, I had several bridges made, and I had uh, Rafe made a a bridge for me. I think he made this bridge. So you did mess with it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. After a couple of years. I'm, yeah, yeah. I have the right to mess with this. I bought it. <laughs> but uh yeah, it was exciting. But uh yeah, I've just been learning from people. Uh my first fiddle workshop was with Paul Brown and uh at Augusta. I think at the same time Eric Weiss was at that same mm. festival and uh, workshop. And it was uh really an advanced workshop that, that uh, I had no business being in. And uh, <clears throat> I called Paul Brown before the workshop and said, I'm interested in your workshop because I kind of knew of him. He was a great teacher and a great fiddler. And, um, and he said, oh, you'll just, you'll do fine. We're just going to be talking about bowing styles and different regions, bowing styles. And he just gave me such confidence just from him saying that. And yeah. Thought, oh, sure. Hell yeah. I'll go do it. And I yeah. signed up for it and had spent a whole week down there. Had a great time and got through the workshop. It was a lot of work on my arm because I hadn't done that much intense bowing and, you know, this style and that style. And, you know, I was pretty sore afterwards, but I, I hacked away at it. And he even divided us up in the, in the auditorium, let us go play. He'd come around and listen to people. He'd come around to me and say, hey, you're doing just fine. And it's just like, he gave me the confidence to just want to learn and have fun with it. It wasn't yeah. like, there was no test afterwards or anything yeah. like that. It was just to have fun with it. And that's why, why I do it, just for the fun and enjoyment of it. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> you did it again. You were encouraging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I had, uh, I think I had one with Dirk Powell and a couple of years later, also at Augusta. I went with Dirk, Doc, John Hum, John Hammond was there. They did a dual workshop and had another one with Bruce Molsky and John Herman had a, had a little workshops with him. So I've just taken little workshops with people and, but mostly just self-taught, just listening to 
people's tunes and recording tunes on little cassette recorders back in the day or the whatever the little machines, the latest, greatest machine. And now it's a cell phone. And, yeah. But just, you know, listening to things and picking up little tunes here and there. It's just magical mm. being able to learn a tune and, and play with people. But yeah, just uh, being around a lot of people. Rusty Nighthammer and Nancy Nighthammer were, were a big influence early in the day because yeah. they were kind of local and Mike Williams played with them and Mike Williams is from here. Yeah. Uh, he he's a real, was a real dedicated learner of Tommy Gerald. It would slow Tommy Gerald down to like 25% speed and yeah. listen to every nuance. And so I, I kind of watched those people play and just watched their bow arms at festivals and listen to how they played tunes. So I did a lot of watching and listening and observing and really listening to people instead of just jumping in and trying to play along. It's just easier to almost absorb it yeah. and get it into your head and your ear and be able to hum the tune or play the tune. I know uh, Molsky, Bruce Molsky used to do a lot of that. He said he would listen to a, a song and would record it over and over on a cassette and play it You know, while he would drive back and forth to work for, you know, hours a week listening yeah. to the same tune over till they got it in his head and then you can play it once you have it in your head it's it's a, a good tool for learning yeah i uh i really like learning that way when when i can i remember it was my first time meeting spencer and reigns and i was interviewing them uh, as like a live show in dc and i for whatever reason like i I didn't have the tunes prepared, but I had recordings. And so the entire way down from Philly to, to DC, I was just playing them on repeat mm -hmm. and hoping that by the time I got to DC, uh, I could like sing them all from memory. And that when I got my banjo out, it would happen mm -hmm. <laughs> on the banjo. And uh, yeah, it was a really satisfying way to learn those tunes. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like I knew them a lot more intimately than if I had just jumped in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a real connection with people through this music. That's, that's the, the other great thing is just being able to share it with people, you know, beginners, intermediates, advanced, you know, all different levels of people. It's fun. Yeah. I think it's, it's great for beginners just learning it. It's really from you know your own like inspiration, your desire, and your passion for the music. That's what really drives drives you to learn anything. It's your it's your passion, yeah. no matter what level. So it's, that's that's the beauty of it. Let's play another tune, and then I want to ask you about facilitating community and building building an, an old time army like you have here in Lancaster. But first, what do you want to play? I don't know if I've really built an army here. But... <laughs> <coughs> How about chinkapin hunting? Oh yeah, great. Another kind of crickety tune. Seven beats in the first part.
I'm having a lovely time just playing one-on-one tunes with you. It's great. It's great. Love yeah. playing with you. First time I've ever played with you. I think, yeah. <laughs> except <laughs> yeah, for last night. Except for last night for our little encore. <laughs> that was so much fun. Oh, that that show. Fun. Amazing. So I want every little town to have uh, an old-time community like Lancaster has. It's multi-generational uh, and... Well, it's happening in a lot of places. Yeah. You know, you know of better than anybody. So, yeah, whenever I find someone who has uh, taken it upon themselves to make that happen, mm-hmm. uh, I want to I wanna know why. I want there to be a blueprint for anybody who wants to do that in their town. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't necessarily know where to where to start. Maybe you could just tell us the, the story of, you know, wh- when you got into old time, were you living in Lancaster at the time? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. I was in my mid forties and we've been you know, living here for, I've been here for 50 years. And what was the old time community like at that time in this city? Um, there wasn't really, I wouldn't say it was an old time community. I would say there's uh, a number of people that sort of played old time music. Sure. And we would kind of get together random, randomly here and there. And then when I really got into into it, I started seeking out specific, you know, how do you play old-time guitar? And they yeah. would teach me. And, uh, Rennie Allgaier, who's, you know, no longer with us anymore. He was a good old-time guitar player. David Francis, who was the first one that got me to Clifftop. He mm. discovered Clifftop, and I started going there. Uh, he, he knew old-time guitar. Mike Williams lived here. He played old-time fiddle probably for a long time. I mean, I just kind of knew of these people that played old time music yeah. and just kind of learned some guitar, playing guitar with them. But uh, it wasn't until you know, I'd been into it for a while and, uh, you know, I met Mark Rast at, at, uh, at a stable jam that Dave Francis used to have here. It was all different kinds of music, a theme and bluegrass, and gypsy jazz and old time. and. He would have us kind of be the guests there. And that's where I met Mark, you know, at, at one of his parties. And we've become friends ever since and been playing together for a long time. So it was like sort of through that, more people kind of like jumped on the so-called bandwagon of old time people. And you know, we started having little jams here and there. Jill Smith, another local musician from here, has been probably playing old time music, you know, longer than I have. Uh, Doug Stickle was another musician here that played great old time music and he'd been around a long time. It's just kind of these random people that I had met that played old time music and it just kind of all started coming together and we started having jams at different people's houses. I don't know if it was weekly or ever so often, just different people would have jams and we started the jams that tell us about, oh, how long has that been? Eight, eight, nine years ago, started having a monthly jam Tuesday, first Tuesday of the month, jam. Getting Ray Frick, who I was talking about earlier, moved to Lancaster, so he would, he would come to the jams, and Jill Smith, and Mark, and really before the younger kids kind of started coming in, but they eventually kind of fit in, just like the pieces of a puzzle, yeah. Maya, Dimitri, and you know, Lyle, and Jordan, and Emma yeah. Rast, and Becca, and all those people started coming in and playing with us, because they were learning from, from us, and from their parents, and, Patrick would come when he was around town. He learned, Your son. yeah, because he learned kind of old time through me. And then he moved out to Portland. Of course, 
that being the hotbed of old time music, he picked up a lot of guitar and started mm. learning fiddle and stuff out there. So um, I think it was just starting to have, you know, regular jams at different people's houses and the jams that tell us it just kind of gave a focal point and a place for people to kind of get together. And now we're having it every couple of months after COVID, you know, it kind of quit for a couple of sure. years after COVID. And, but we were doing it every month. You know, sometimes five or six people would show up. Sometimes 15 would show up. And yeah. it was just like, it was just fun, you know, having people, banjo players, you never know who was going to show up. And it was just a lot of fun. And uh, we're getting back into it. We have another one coming up in October. Mm. So we're doing, probably going to be doing six a year. Yeah. I can't do one a week. You know, it's just like, I don't play as much anymore, mm. but uh, I still always enjoy playing. I, see, I noodle on the banjo every day and just, just pick it up. It's, I pick up the fiddle now a little more often since we've been playing more, playing more with Mark. We get together every couple of weeks and just play, just for fun. Yeah. When you said that the young people started getting involved in, mm -hmm. in the jams, uh, I'm always curious, like, what is... Was there any specific moment where you saw them become interested or become invested? Because, you know, there, there's so much differentiation that happens, mm -hmm. like from young people and like older generations. And I feel like that there's a big barrier sometimes to be like, I want to participate. In well, I think the older generations. I think the biggest thing is that uh, most of the ones that I'm, I'm kind of speaking about were, were all kind of classically trained as kids. They right. started in music in, you know, third or fourth or fifth grade, playing strings and violins yeah. and cellos. And I played cornet, you know, when I was out in Texas growing up. That's the band, you know, that's what you play. You sure, sure. I don't know if there was a string in, you know, the county. But uh, most of the people I'm referring to, you know, were had played since they were young. So it wasn't as difficult for them to kind of evolve into the music, whereas I had never picked up a string more than a guitar and uh, I never played a fiddle or violin. And so I got yeah. into it in middle age. And mm -hmm. It was, you know, I don't know if it was more difficult, but it was just a different way than where they kind of could evolve right into it. They just had to change a few things and the bowing style or the, the, the however, however they played because the music obviously, you know, is very different from mm -hmm. bluegrass or jazz or classical a different kind of bowing technique and uh, so I think that was kind of easier for them plus they were all around it so much all of our kids right. were around it since they were young so they kind of grew up with it and you know Clifftop and Mount Airy my daughter son my daughter went to Mount Airy I don't know if Patrick ever went there but they all went to Clifftop yeah, several yeah. times it's, they, it's kind of like a sponge and you just start soaking it up it's like this is pretty fun music for anybody no one can hear it and say, I'm not, I don't like that. I mean, you, have to, you can't help but like it, right? It's just happy, I fun music. I feel that music. way, although I recognize not everyone feels that way. But yeah. I mean, to it a point. Just, yeah. I mean, if you, have to, to get, if you have to explain it to someone, that could be more difficult. But just to hear, yeah. boy, it's, that's great. And that's like at the Philly Folk Fest. When I heard that, it just like sucked me in like a, the black hole. I was just like, man, it just blew me, blew me away. Hmm. So I think part of just having people immerse into it through osmosis from being exposed to it that that helps yeah. you can't go around recruiting people you know go to this yeah we need some people to come jam with us so that's not going to work you just have to let people come to the music and 
yeah. appreciate it or not. It's just fine either way. Yeah. I'm curious, did all of the, did all of the young people kind of get involved at the same time? Or did like a couple of them get involved first and then the others were, were like, oh, I want to follow along or? Uh, I, it's hard to say. Yeah. I, I know you know, the Rast and the Vitris, all they, all their kids all kind of grew up the same way, and they all kind of got into it. I mean, Marksman knew about old time music way before I did, and it's, he played it before I even knew anything about it. And he's also a great bluegrass player. But I think their kids all kind of were the same age. They all kind of grew up with it. Patrick was a little bit older than them, so he kind of got into it in a different way. He kind of just threw me, but not through the other kids his age because they were a little bit younger than him. But I think part of it's when people stay around their communities too. Like a lot of people here still, still kind of live here that play it. Not all of them, but some of them still live here and play the music. Yeah. But then they take the music with them wherever, wherever they go. Yeah. Patrick still plays some old time music, not so much in, in where, he li- where he lives now. But uh, of course, you know, Maya and Nina and Lyle and all the Jordan and Emma, they're all playing it yeah. wherever they go. And they're, you know, it's, it's great to, to, to see them growing up and playing and enjoying the music. Mm. But uh, I guess people get into it at different times yeah. of their life. And when it's meant to be, it's meant to be. I remember years ago, someone telling me they were going to go to hear some old time music at Brandywine or something. And that's before I even knew what old time was. And I, I remember saying, to myself or to them, so I'm I'm not gonna go hear a bunch of old time music. I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole. Boy, did I yeah not know what I was missing. Yeah. So I got into it later. You know, it just yeah. it, it comes when it comes. It comes. You, know, you get it involved with things when it's time. I'm just always interested in like unlocking moments, like these moments of comprehension, uh, because if there's any understanding to like have of like what is the moment where the music becomes, this is actually cool and not like corny or mm-hmm. has nothing to do with me. Uh, my older son, Theo, he's about to turn nine. Um, just last week, uh, he finished learning uh, this this tune and it's I think it's his first like minor key tune. And I think it's a Strathspey. Uh, Sophie Enlo uh, taught him it. Um, his teacher uh, and she's a great all-time fiddler and teaches Suzuki and uh, it's I think the first tune that he really likes and he uh, he's like I I like this tune it's kind of like pirate music mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like okay I've been trying to like find music that you might be interested in but I've been like kind of striking out and I didn't know that a Strathspey would like be the thing that mm-hmm. kind of like got underneath your skin and now he's like playing it for fun mm-hmm. and then like a couple days ago his cousin was over and his cousin plays a little bit of piano um he's around the same age as him and it was like nine o'clock at night and i was about to like get them i was like it's bedtime i, I better start getting them towards bed they're gonna start getting the zoomies or whatever <laughs> and uh and then Theo got out his fiddle. I was like, I want to show you this tune. Mm-hmm. And then they started like learning it together and cool. jamming. And they jammed for like, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour. It's the longest they've ever 
yeah. done that before. And I was like, that's exciting. You can stay up as long as you want. This is this is amazing. I can't believe this is happening. I was like re secretly recording from the uh -huh. other room, you know, uh -huh. sending it to his teacher. And yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I've always, yeah, curious about what is that, what is that moment where it becomes something that where it transitions from something that you tune out into mm -hmm. this is for me and it grabs you right yeah yeah so those are great moments yeah with anything whether it's art music or a loved one or yeah. a construction project you know it's sometimes you just kind of fall in love with something you know and it's a beautiful thing mm -hmm. especially with younger kids you know at a young age well, I, yeah, I just really admire the community that you've fostered. And, and I like the way, the way you're telling it too, is like, this is a thing we all did, yeah. you know, but yeah. when I, when I talk to the people in my generation, playing old time music, uh, they all say, yeah, it's Neil, <laughs> Neil, Neil, Neil. I think Over part of it was that, uh, I got a fiddle and started playing and I had no business playing a fiddle. I had no business doing that. And I just... <laughs> got inspired from that Mark O'Connor thing and got yeah. a fiddle because I really wanted to play and I just thought, well, you've got to be a special person to play a fiddle. And, and the, you know, I got that Czech violin and yeah. started, you know, I could make some good notes on it, some cool. good sounds. And I, you got a 50% chance yeah. of getting the bowing rights either up or down. So I figured yeah. I could do that. So, Yeah, I think audacity is so important <laughs> to like learning music. Yeah. You know, being like, you know, I don't, you know, like I might not belong here, but I'm going to insert myself anyway. Mm -hmm. I learned so much old time music from just not asking to be in jams and just sitting down and playing and yeah. like maybe to some extent taking advantage of the like people not wanting to do the, this sort of social labor to like tell me not to mm -hmm. <laughs> or tell me to go away. And because, because like I did that, now I feel like I'm uh, a lot more fun to play with, but the, you, you did a thing that you had no business doing yeah. and now there's this great community. So well, thanks part for of, doing that. Part of it's just being, you know, wanting, having the desire and the passion to wanting to do something. I mean, I didn't have any intentions of doing anything when I started. I just, yeah. just persisted and wanted to be a fiddler yeah. after I realized that I, I was allowed to be a fiddler. Uh -huh. It took a lot of work and you know, it's still, a constant battle but it's like I say I just do it for fun and it's great it's fun fun times let's play another tune okay yeah what, what do you want to play next let me see what we can do here uh, Irish polka yeah I haven't played that in a while okay yeah we played it in our set last night I learned another one I learned from Patrick coming from Portland and I've I've asked every tune source in the country about the source of this, and it's a hard one to track down. I, I can't remember all that people told me, and Jeff Gehring was involved, and uh, everybody in the Bay Area, and, and it's, I don't know the source of it. To, to me, and this might just be ignorance, it's sort of a confounding tune title. The, it doesn't sound particularly Irish or polka-ish. Exactly. To me, yeah. <laughs> Contradiction in terms. Yeah. Let's let's polka okay. in, in the Irish way. Irish polka.
That's a good one. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Snappy little happy tune. We have time for one more. And normally this is the part in the show where I ask people if they have anything that they want to promote. I know you have albums. Uh, and you probably have... Uh, probably have like maybe events or other people that you also want to chat out or uh, not really okay. I don't really I mean we made a CD in 2006 some stragglers. yeah the lonesome stragglers yeah Patrick was with us the original guitar player but we just made that one CD it was just kind of for fun and I wanted to one of my goals was to publish a book build a house and and, and publish a CD yeah. so I've done all kind of built a house it's a three-room house but I published a book and I've done the CD, but it was just kind of a one-time deal. And, hmm. you know, we still pay people $20 to take them away because we have so many left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, nothing to really promote. We, you know, we have our semi-monthly jams here in Lancaster and it's, uh, it's always a fun time to get people out, play and have, enjoy the music and having people listen to it. It's fun. People love, love hearing it. Uh, it was great having y'all here, Tall yeah. Poppy. Thanks for opening for and us. Lancaster. My gosh, that was an incredible show last night and uh, such a great turnout. People just loved it. Everybody loved it. I was. Yeah, we loved it too. Chills the whole time listening to y'all. It was great, you know, playing a, playing a tune with y'all the last time too. It was fun. Well, thanks so much for doing this, and thanks again for all your hospitality. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for all you've done in the old time music and all these uh, get up in the cool shows. I've listened to as many as I could. And I just, I always love, they're so intriguing to listen to. Oh, thanks, Neil. Yeah, I love, love your playing too. It's great. Thanks. Fun, fun getting together with y'all. Well, what should we play for our final tune? Uh, let me see what we can do here. We just did. Uh... All right, Greasy String.
Support this podcast at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. That's also linked in the show notes, along with links to sign up for banjo lessons with me, Pitchfork Banjo, my Clawhammer instructional video series, and my old-time trio, Tall Poppy String Band. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool.